Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. It's an absolute pleasure today to have a great friend, uh, I don't know if it would be business yet, but a great friend, James Colwell from uh, the legendary Tough Raps on the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on board. Hey there, guys. Uh, yeah, just to introduce myself, uh, yeah, James, James Colwell here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we call you business affiliates yet, mate. But we definitely <laughs> work together. Yes. But the, uh, the good, the good friend is uh, is a tick in the box. I know we've known each other for a long time now, and uh, how lives are kind of changing as we evolve. It's, it's so, funny, uh, isn't it? Because we we both met in the the melting pot that is physique warehouse in in Surrey. I think neither of us were particularly involved in the fitness industry to any great length. Probably at the time, we, I guess we probably first probably like crossed paths. And it's amazing how both of our journeys have sort of progressed from there, like albeit in slightly different routes. Well, that's it, isn't it? You know, I, I do remember that. You know, it's probably five or six years ago, actually, when it's you actually crazy. do the do the numbers, and um, and you're kind of like both your bodes of life, and uh, just trying to get in shape or whatever your goals are. And six years later, you're back doing a kind of like this podcast thing as a as yourself as a you know as a fitness online coach and kind of entrepreneur and. I, I'm running a business that's uh, kind of going a little bit global at the moment. So, as the, as so, the Gary Vee side hustle. So, for any, anyone who doesn't know James, who are you? What do you do? Like, obviously, you're based in Surrey as well. Um, what, what is your background? So, a little bit of a strange one, really. Like, if you consider that we own a strength brand, um, my my background and and still still full time um, job is I work in uh, aerodynamic performance development for uh, for McLaren on their F1 program which uh, maybe is a bit of a mouthful to start with, but essentially, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. um, essentially we try and, make the, try and make the car go faster without making it, uh, giving, the, giving the engine more horsepower. So the dark art of aero, uh, and that's what sort of absorbs an awful lot of my time in my, in my day-to-day uh, outside, of, outside of the fitness industry. So uh, but, but I've been doing that for 15 years now, actually. Jesus. Crazy. That's a long time in motor racing. That's, that's why I've gone so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stressing. Like, obviously, you're very versed. Like, you're traveling the world with that hell of, the hell of a lot. And like a lot of like networking, things like that, which I imagine probably the experiences you've learned from that have taken you well into what you're doing on the side now as well. Well, absolutely. I spent, um, you know, I was lucky enough in my career so far to have, um, to have three years on the race team where we traveled around um, to every Grand Prix that we took part in as as mechanic on um, on Lewis's car for a little bit actually, and then on um, on Kevin Magnussen's car, I'm finished up with uh, finished up with a couple of races with Alonso, um, and obviously you kind of kind of takes you to some fairly um, high profile places and some not so high profile places, um, but you understand the importance of relationships with people, and um, you know you realise that business doesn't stop. It doesn't matter if you move a business from country to country the same people do the same work and the same output is required to generate the goal, which is in my case, getting a car on a racetrack at the time. So it, it does translate to what you're doing in life in terms of running your own business as well. You know, you know, you need to constantly put that effort in. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're away for the weekend or whether you're, you know, on holiday, there is still stuff that needs to happen in the background to make it go forward, I guess. It's, um, I think we were briefly talking about this before we went live on the podcast, like the, 
the more you succeed in life, the busier you get, and it just becomes a real fast-paced whirlwind. And you get so used to that fast pace that you almost can't sit and take note of really what's going on. Like I was having, not wind, but I was just saying that I find it very difficult to, like if I go out for a meal, if it's one of those meals that drags on for like two, three hours, I get really agitated and a bit arsy towards the end where I just want to get on and like with my day and do something else because I've sort of ticked that box of eating and I want to go and like conquer the world and do whatever I want to do. Whereas sometimes you do need to try and make yourself maybe sometimes try and relax a little bit, but it's, it's easier said than done with like probably both yourself um, and me are like Thai paper. Something's very driven in what you want to achieve. You have to often really push yourself in terms of work ethic to try and achieve those things. Yeah, it's interesting actually. I think, um, I think the focus almost shifts slightly. I think a lot of the time when you're, if you've got a normal nine to five, you know, whatever, whatever anyone does for a living, the, the focus is you need to get through your day and then you want to do what you want to do for yourself in the evening and you want to relax or you want to watch a bit of telly or, you know, you want to go to the gym or, or do whatever. But if you're, if you've started a kind of side hustle and you've got, you've got a side business going on as well, then those hours in the day available to run and drive your own business become some of the most valuable there are. So if they're being taken up with stuff that you don't initially think adds value to your day, it can create this kind of anxiety in yourself to like, oh, you know, I need to finish this as quick as possible to, to be able to get back to what my, what my main focus is on today. So um, I completely understand that kind of uh, anxiety a little bit. You know, I don't think it's necessarily good for you all the time. You know, it tires you out, but it's very real. I think, I think it's something you just need to be with like anything, as long as you're aware of it, you can sort of control it. And like, I'm very aware of how I feel and why I feel a certain way. So I know what, like what to expect. Some of the people around me know what to expect. And I, I, look, I look like they know what my lifestyle is a bit like now. So they understand um, what, what I'm not good, what I'm going through. All these good is bad things. I'm like, it's horrendous, but it's where you're very big. You want to try and like achieve loads of things. Like you just have a lot on your plate that you're trying to sort of manage all the time. So the same with yourself. We talked about your schedule at the moment. We've got going on the next few days. So uh, where, where do you take you off to with tough wraps next few days and PCA finals? Yeah, we got, um, we got kindly invited to the PCA British finals in Hull. Um, Ryan Alexander, who owns the PCA, we, we've known him for a few years now and he, he kindly invited us up to uh, bring our kind of body power presentation stand. And, um, so we're kind of supporting that this weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday. So I've just been frantically uh, rushing around trying to organise a van and pack some stock and uh, get everything I need in one place to then go and worry about who's coming with us tomorrow and other hotels okay and all the bits and pieces you completely forget to think about that when you get to a show, all these vendors are there and it looks all nice and shiny, but what went on in the background to achieve it? And actually it's just loads of late nights. <laughs> so. Yes, it's ticking all the small boxes and obviously like we obviously won't go too long, too long about sort of side hustle side of things but for like obviously I did the same thing and I left my full-time job as a managed estate agent for 10 years to go and pursue what I love now like for me I I look back now when I wake up in the morning sometimes I'm a bit tired and I'm like oh like trying like dragging myself around I was like I used to get up at like five o'clock in the morning go do cardio go to work all day train again and then work all evening doing my own shit as well and I think like, you've got it so easy now you can like not easy, but you can do, I can do what I want and structure things how I want. And I think sometimes you take for granted, but I think that's why it's very good in terms of like life and training in general is almost to push yourself to the extreme. So that when you come back to like more the midline, you then know that you've got another gear there if you ever needed it, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I completely understand that. And actually, um, it's a slight transition that we're going through at the moment. My other half, Laura, who um, runs the business with us in the UK, obviously we have um, partners and directors in the United States, but slightly different company layouts. Um, but Laura's now on the, she's migrating from uh, her full-time job into a full-time role at Tough Wraps now. So we've kind of uh, adopted the risk of a, of a full financial salary and she's very much said that the days that she works from home and can pop out to the gym in her free time, although she's got a lot of work to do, are, are much less stressful for her mentally because of the kind of enjoyment she's got at the end of the day. Like she knows she's added value to something that we own rather than driving somebody else's company that doesn't necessarily understand her worth to them, if you see what I mean. 100%. You're just a, it's a bit of a corny saying, but a slave to the machine. What would you, what would you say to anyone who's umming and ahhing about trying to start something on the side, like both my, I've done, obviously you currently do as well. So of information. Like one thing I would say is it won't be an overnight success. So whatever it is, you have to be very, very patient. I, I think also you have to try not to get all the stars to align in one go. You know, I, I speak to a lot of people about it and they say, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then I'm going to get this guy on board. And once we've done this, then we're going to launch it. And then when you actually discuss that, that's like 12 months time and, you know, a lot can change in 12 months. So if you've got something you want to consider, you just need to start and um, you're going to get it wrong and you're going to probably make some, some of the slightly wrong financial decisions. But ultimately, you don't start progressing until you start making the mistakes and working out what you don't need to do. So if you're really considering and you've got an opinion or you've got an option and you've got something you believe in, you just need to have a crack at it and start small. And then as you start understanding the concept, that's when you start pushing your kind of, um, putting more of your motivation into it. I think that's probably my, one of the biggest lessons I've found is that, that you just have to get on with it. I think it's the, the procrastination is the biggest thing I think see for most people. And like, I think most people are mass, like are almost perfectionists and they're too worried about putting something out there and it might be a bit off or not hundred percent. Whereas I'm much more of the mindset of like, fuck it, I'll just put it out there and see what happens. Like I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do it and then like see how we go from there and I can adjust it if it's not quite right or whatever, I can make adjustments. And um, really? I think too many people procrastinate to sit on the fence. I mean, I, um, I actually looked at a couple of things today recently that was um, to do with the first website I built for what has become Tough Ranch UK. And when I look over the coding and, and how it looks now, I just think, wow, you know, like I released that to the public and, uh, you know, you kind of um, take a second look at it and think, I wouldn't do anything with that now. But at the time, I was pretty pleased with it because it's your first go at coding, it's your first go at website design and... Um, and now you look at what you've presented to the world and you think, you know, this is totally different. And, and the same goes with, um, I looked over a couple of old athlete contracts as well. And I was like, wow, you know, like I got that totally wrong. And for what we do now with the professional athletes that we sponsor and um, you just need to make some mistakes. And then you spot the eyes later. Yes, it's, it's the best way to learn 100%. Like, I think one of the best sayings is one of my, I, like, still sticks in my mind. My dad always said to me, is like uh, someone he knew had like a big sign on his desk that just said, do it now. As like, if you ever think about doing something, just fucking just do it now and like get it over and done with rather than just like umming and ahhing, particularly like how fast paced the world is now. If you wait six months, like the, op- the opportunity to do it might not be there. Like, genuinely for me and my business, if I had waited 12 months, I would really 
I would have probably would not have made it through where uh, social media has almost like evolved, if that makes sense. Like the organic reach has gone on Instagram, a lot of the social media platforms. So I wouldn't be able to build a reputation of following. I'm very fortunate and grateful to have. Um, so if I hadn't acted quickly, I would have missed, missed the window of opportunity, as it were. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like buying a house, isn't it? There's never a good time to buy oh, a house. You just need to buy one when you need one. Yeah. Uh, and and it's the same with the business. If you need to make a decision or you need to react, you just, as long as it's a, you know, as long as it's a calculated decision, you know, you, You're not being reckless. you know, off, yeah. off the cuff stuff is, you know, might work out every now and again, but as long as you've um, taken an educated approach to it, I think the chances are it's um, going to play in your favor. hundred percent. Now, that's a bit of our both brief, brief, quite extensive business history covered. Now, going back into like a slightly different topic, we, we briefly crossed then in terms of uh, athlete sponsorships. And this is quite an interesting topic of conversation because every Tom, Dick and Harry on social media nowadays is crying out to get uh, sponsored by companies. And I imagine you must have people pouring out to you constantly trying to get involved. And it'd be quite like an interesting debate to talk about what you guys will actually look for in terms of athletes and ambassadors and what values you look for in people to work with, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, we get multiple people message us every day, whether it be on email really? or socials. Yeah, every single day we get them. Um, and, you know, nine times out of ten, I think it's a generic message that somebody has sent to multiple companies. And they... I wonder whether I think a lot of people in this in this fitness industry, or if they've got a sporting directive, I think they feel like they want to be sponsored or need to be sponsored. But you, what was interesting for me was to actually have the conversation with someone about you know why do you feel you need to be sponsored? What what do you think you're going to get out of it? If you see what I mean, and start the conversation that way, because. Obviously, if you've got a lot of a lot of followers on social media, that can work for a company because, you know, you can just use people for promotion, and, and they might get some kit out of it. Or I don't know if they may be on a, a retainer basis, or you know, you might be able to pay them for certain sales. But is that actually the collaboration you want with someone, or do you want to strike up a, a friendship and a kind of business right. relationship? Yeah, 100%. where you can actually add value to each other. You know, what do you actually need to get out of it and what can you actually give to us that's going to benefit us both really seriously? No, I 100% agree with that. I think, and I think a lot of people sometimes don't quite understand. Like, they hear, certainly like, XYZ gets paid 5,000 a month by Gymshark and that's their end goal is to get paid that much by Gymshark. Whereas, like, that's never been an ambition of mine. I couldn't give a shit about getting paid by xyz company like my opinion is make yourself great and make yourself your own business and then you're in control of your own destiny because what happens if you're sponsored by gymshark and then they drop you tomorrow holy shit then you've got no income coming in what do you do you've got a problem whereas like you're like if you are your own business and your own brand then that's not going to disappear overnight essentially absolutely and that's a that's a, a sensible thing to say as well because um, you know, take um, take Tiger Woods for instance. You know, he was a, a very highly paid athlete. I, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about golf, but I'm guessing Nike or Adidas. And um, and then he had all the problems in the social media and in the press. And all of a sudden, his social value 
deteriorates overnight. It's like a stock or share falling off the market. So all of a sudden, Nike's investment into him isn't worth anything because the person's credibility has disappeared. So if then you've got a relationship with someone who's adding value to your brand in, in multiple different ways, then all of a sudden you're not just relying on that person being in the limelight. They are bringing something else to you. Um, we, we work with a couple of guys um, who compete in a, a, a strongman's league called the Strongman's Champions League. And uh, what, they're both, they're, you know, the guys are pretty good, but they're certainly not the best in the world. But the, the contacts that they have brought us as a brand have been absolutely phenomenal. And the business relations we've set up because of that are also phenomenal. And they've helped us generate revenue in Europe. And, you know, we're now, we're now friends with them. We go out for dinner with them. And, you know, if we're away for the weekend, they don't really have, they don't really pay for anything, but there's not so much in their contract. It's just this, what can you do for them? And actually people just want to feel valued. Yeah. Looked after. Yeah, absolutely. So if you can generate that as part of the relationship and the sponsorship, ultimately people want to feel good about their self. And um, even if there's a bit of financials in it, you know, that that's one thing, but, in terms of this of the fitness industry, uh, I, I really think that a lot of people are looking for. They're not really sure what they're looking for. I think they just want to feel like they're valued, be part of something. Be part of something, yeah, you know. But ultimately, if you've got twenty people that just want to be part of your ba- of your brand, band, <laughs> yeah, that's be a really big band. Um, <laughs> what do they actually bring to the table other than five hundred Instagram followers? Yeah, you, know, you can't weigh it up on that. There has to be more to it. 100%. And so, that comes down to like, in my opinion, one thing I say for everyone is that if you're like, in terms of trying to bring value to like you as a brand and to just people generally, what you want to try and do is put out actual content and things to help people. So like if, for example, I was someone who wanted to try and work with you guys, I'd be trying to put out, say like strength training information and stuff that would be relevant to the products you sell. So for example, how to maybe use certain lifting straps tips on using belts why you should use belts and like the things that are actually relevant to what what it is that you guys do as an example um and that would be a way to provide some sort of intrinsic value absolutely you know like understand if understand what the brand is about that you'd like to be sponsored with and work out how you can create value for them so exactly like you said you know or if someone's got like a a good blog or, a, or an interesting YouTube channel, maybe that person buys some straps off us or maybe we give them some straps. But if you can get out of that uh, a tutorial or what the best way to use them is, it doesn't matter if that person is not the strongest person in the world, but the media is, it works both ways. It works for that person who's got the straps and it also works for us to be able to promote the product, but the person as well, because that goes hand in hand. No, I agree 100%. And that, that's what, if anyone really switched on, should be thinking about instead of trying to work with any brand. Like I'm very, very selective of who I want to work with because it's more down to the people than the brand itself. Like, for example, I previously had a relationship with MyProtein, who are a massive brand. Mm-hmm. However, they're like a corporate part of I'm trying not to swear. They're a corporate. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of like when I used to work in a state agency, and you, you can tell like a lot of telltale signs and things like that. For example, like the like athlete managers you'd work with, it would change like on a weekly basis almost. Um, and a high turnover. Oh yeah. And you can, you can just tell from the outside anymore with any now that like 
it's obviously not a pleasant place to work. It's not something I necessarily want to be associated with. Hence why I decided to move on from that. Like that's why people buy people. So as well as you carry yourself as an individual on social media is very important. It's the same as how businesses carry themselves and like the people involved in them. Like that's why I love working with you guys because obviously a great friendship with you, Lauren, like, like we bounce off each other and share ideas and you provide like tons of value to me with like advice as a friend rather than just like a business relationship. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I actually can compare this kind of um, athlete um, working relationship with, with something I, I experienced when I was, when I was traveling on the, on the race team, when I was being a mechanic before um, every race, when, when we were racing with Kevin Magnuson, um, he used to come around and speak. We'd all just chat to each other in the garage. And when he'd get out of the car, if he'd mess something up, there'd be a laugh or, in the evening, you were sitting at the hotel having dinner, there'd, there'd always be a conversation. So the person you were working for to add as much value as possible made himself part of your life so that you would just go the extra mile for him because you felt like you were valued. So it really does count across many platforms that. Uh, that's, that's the key to people management. Like That's what I used to do you know, like, in state agency. Like, you just... I used to manage a like, fairly big team, like diverse, different people from what I'm naturally necessarily like. And like the biggest thing I always say was like, be overly polite and go above and say, like, please, thank you. And like, just be courteous about the way you go about asking for things. And it's still about, like the same, the people who work for me now, I'd always rather overpay them and give them more than they're probably worth to and like just do small gestures here and there just because people then, as you said previously, will massively appreciate that. And then when you need them, we'll go above and beyond. Uh, to get stuff done if you need something done short notice or anything like that the likelihood of them actually doing that for you then getting you out of the ship is a lot more than if you treat people like crap absolutely i mean and it's been adopted in a lot of the dot-com industries at the moment isn't it i mean google are, are big on this and um a lot of the kind of high profile companies like that that are in the spotlight you know they're they're understanding that people work best when they're at their most relaxed and you know i know a lot of companies now are moving to four-day weeks but not necessarily a four-day week as in Monday to Thursday, their staff are working Monday, Tuesday, having a day off and then working Thursday, Friday. So they only work two days in a row and they only work for 10, they work for 10 hours a day. So, you know, they're doing their hours, but they get five days off in a, you know, every, every sort of cycle, if you see what I mean. And uh, they've, the productivity of these people is just kind of soaring. So if you're in these dot-com industries and you're working your people like that, the, the output can just be so heavily increased by the, the person being in a good place. I mean, it makes complete logical sense when you think about it. And like, again, it comes down to human efficiency, the amount of like time that's wasted by people stuck in not say dead end jobs, but jobs they don't want to be in like just like staring out the window almost or like blank cleans a computer, just killing time. If you think if all those people around the world are put into doing something productive, what could be achieved is crazy. Absolutely, man. I think, you know, some of my most productive time recently has just been the, between the hours of 10 and midnight because you're frantically trying to cram as much into that free time that you've got to, to develop the next part of the website or try and launch the new product or, you know, where, what my Facebook ads doing at the moment. And uh, you're, you're under time pressure, so you, you, become, um, you become effective in that respect when it's your own. Obviously, you're an incredibly busy individual. Do you have any tips or strategies you use to say on top of everything? Do you have any software systems? Do you have? Do you write lists? Do you have any tips for anyone? 
So I started writing lists, but I'm not very good at lists because I lost all my lists and that's <laughs> real. So, so, you know, uh, I'm afraid I'm not great at that. What I, um, what I did get better at is I started using my Outlook calendar on my, on my email software a lot more. And, um, and I actually use um, some workflow software called, uh, I think I use Asana. Um, and it just helps me detail everything I want to do. Because, you know, like yourself, I have a lot of ideas, I have a lot of notes, and I'll, I'll think of something Monday and forget it by Wednesday. But if I put it into my workflow software, it doesn't matter when I go back to it, my thought is still there. Um, at, in terms of, you know, that, that's how I manage my ideas, I guess. But managing my time, I'm not going to lie, I struggle with it. Um, and my other half, you know, you can ask her, she'll be the first to tell me that I need to throttle off and uh, take some time out. But I'm afraid it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So if anyone else has got any solutions for uh, managing time, I'm, I'm all ears. But I, that's one thing I'm not great at. Yeah, I think it's things you can't really, you've only got so many hours a day and you've got so much work on it, it just has to be done. It's the same thing, like... I remember my mum came in when I was in, uh, she lives in Spain. My family was Spain. I was over there with them at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was still working my laptop and she's like, it's too late for this. You need to be going to bed. And I was like, I sort of not flipped out, but I was like, if I don't do this, who else is going to do it? Like, like yeah, it just needs to be done. So it is what it is. That, that is it. No one else is going to do it for you, you know? And, um, that's, that is one of the, um, I don't want to say hang up because it's one of the, the things that drives you. But it's one of the overheads that you always have when you're running your own business is that ultimately it stops with you. So if you want it done, you know, I'm sorry to say it, you just got to do it, haven't you? Yeah, success or failure is on your head. So you, you either live with a gloat with the glory or you've got a, <laughs> with a shame that goes balls up and tits up. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Not that there is any shame with that, but like for me, I'm always, I'd always prefer people went out and tried to do their own thing. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can always go back to what you were doing before. Um, than if you live the life of what ifs, if that makes sense. It's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done, isn't it? That, that's the saying. Yeah, that's and, the saying. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of legs in that. I mean, when I, when I took the opportunity to travel with, with McLaren, like, I, I sacrificed a lot of stuff. You know, I really did. Um, but when I look back on it now, that was three incredible years of my life. Um, and the stories and the tales and the experiences, you, you can't buy them. You know, you have to live it. Um, and if anyone said, would I, would I not do it? I'm like, no way. I would have, I would have always done that. And that's so, made you the person you are today. Sorry? That's made you the person you are today. It's an accumulation of experiences. Of course it has, you know. And, you know, and later on in life when you're telling your stories and, um, you know, the most interesting thing when you're having a conversation with someone is a story, isn't it? And, and if you haven't got any stories to tell, that's, I think it's really sad sometimes. Whereas if you're the, you know, if you've got something, you can just rail off your chest and, um, oh, this happened there and that happened there. And do you remember when we set up this company called Tough Wraps and what a bloody nightmare that was, but, um, you know, what an experience or in five years time, you might be saying, look at how successful it was. And we're both working full time and actually we've got 10 members of staff, but the future is not written yet. And if you're going to, whatever story you've got to tell is, is depending. Yeah. You've got the, the pen and the paper to write your own chapters as well. That's it. That's, that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> you, you're, you're more used to this than I am. <laughs> Just winging it off. But um, 
We'll start to wrap things up there then, James. So okay, more tough wraps. Have you got any more exciting new projects, products, anything else coming up in the pipeline? Oh man, where to um, where to start? <laughs> uh, we we've all, we've committed to body power, so okay. we're going back to body power next year. Um, we're going bigger again. Um, we've got some more. Is, is the tough wraps hammer going to be there again? The big Thor hammer. Yeah, and we've potentially got another uh, another weapon coming with us next year. I won't disclose too much, but we've got the guys making it at the moment. Um, and just a, a, you know, if we're allowed to shout anyone out on here, Rebel Strength. Yeah, us out. Um, so that yeah, new new weapon of uh, strength coming next year. Um, new new athletes as well. Um, we've also got um, some new products. We've got some uh, new strength products coming out. We've got. Um, various weight sandbags for um kind of uh, strength and conditioning yeah um, so popular in strongman various various weights going from 40 kilos up to about 120 i believe with the big one we might even go to 150 um a couple of new belts question you know, that to be that big. how do you ship something like that well the sandbag yeah if it's 150 kilos empty mate Oh, and they still look sad. <laughs> right, I've just made a fool of myself on my own podcast. <laughs> it's okay, Charlie. Moving on. So, um, yeah, and a couple of new belts um, for much more bo- focused around bodybuilding and physique with, um, rather than our kind of power belts that are four inches, um, you know, four inches tall, something that suits the kind of like um, physique competitor or kind of um, small waist that you find on the bodybuilders. Um, and then we, we've also got a load more clothing. I, I can't begin to... Uh, tell you how much clothing we've got but loads of different styles loads of new hoodies um all, all kinds of bits and pieces i kind of lose track of it to be fair that's awesome i love, love the tough wraps clothing the um style is quite unique which is something cool and different to see because a lot of my big gripe a lot of fitness clothing at the moment um is a lot of it is very generic and the same which is super frustrating when you see it well it's kind of nice because um obviously tough wraps roots are from miami the the you know, the, the people who started it, Jason and Sonia, you know, uh, if anyone doesn't know, I actually bought into this company a few years ago. I, I didn't come up with it on my own. Um, but we ship, you know, we have a lot of their styles from Miami. So we're getting a lot of these kind of like brighter teals and pinks and this kind of like retro themes coming over, which ultimately, you know, for Miami, it's always summer, isn't it? But um, I think we're seeing some more colors in the UK now. And I think people are kind of branching out from their grays and whites and blacks, which is, um, Nice to see. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you with that. Now, for anyone to get in touch with you, James, uh, not necessarily. Please don't shout out everyone in the world to try and get sponsored by Tough Wraps now. But um, <laughs> if you want to find out about you guys, uh, where's the best place to find you? So um, our website is www.toughwraps.co.uk. Um, if you're in the UK or Europe, um, if you're in America, head over to toughwraps.com. And our socials are very much the same. Instagram is at toughwraps and at toughwraps underscore UK. And you can pretty much follow all our progress on there. We, we, don't, we don't hide much away. Everything's, we've got a live story all the time and uh, a pretty active feed. Um, websites are being updated all the time with bits and pieces. Um, you might even see some photos of Charlie on it. Floating around. Float, floating around, you know, being a physique guy like he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, in amongst the uh, in amongst the big kind of uh, strength stuff, we do um, we do do a lot of physique stuff now. So it's um, it's nice to have the diversity. Yes, it's good. It's a, good, it's a cool group of people. It's like it's a pleasure to be involved with. As I said to you before, it's just a nice group of people, and it's a cool environment with everything going in the right direction. So it's um, truly appreciated. Nice to hear.
And um, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight, uh, James. I'm sure there'll be loads of insightful information for everyone. And I'm sure everyone, if you haven't already, head over to the Tougher Ups website and, and check out some offer. No, it was an absolute pleasure, Charlie. And thanks for taking the time to uh, for a little bit of my ramblings. <laughs> I'm sure we need to get together sooner or later, don't we? Um, probably 100%. been a little bit too long. So. 100%, 100%. All right, we'll catch up soon, buddy. Take care, pal. <laughs>